For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Really Duncan had it. They turned it over. Alley-oop back to Kevin. Oh, baby! Hello and welcome back to the Wolf Among Wolves podcast. I'm your host, Brendan Headkey. As always, you can find me on Twitter at B underscore Headkey NBA. Find the show on Twitter at AWAW underscore podcast. And as always, the show is a part of the Wolf Among Wolves podcast network on awolfamongwolves.com. So tonight, I want to get a quick game recap. And actually, the last two games where the Timberwolves played against the Denver Nuggets. I wanted to recap those two games see what I liked, see what I didn't like, and just kind of see how the Timberwolves can take something from these games and move forward in a positive manner. So as we all know, the Minnesota Timberwolves did lose to the Denver Nuggets tonight as I'm recording this. This was Tuesday night, um, 116 to 123. They actually led by three going into the fourth quarter and then kind of fell apart there in the last frame. But the Timberwolves also played Denver on Sunday night and on Sunday night, they ended up losing by, I believe it was, yeah, 15 points. And that game was also, you know, a debacle in the fourth quarter. And the, the Timberwolves kind of threw it away. They were, I think they were up by one point going into the final frame. And they ended up getting outscored 41 to 25. Nikola Jokic kind of got it going and that pretty much was the game. Um, this time, the Timberwolves really struggled in the first quarter. They were down by 12 heading into the second frame, and everybody was kind of writing the night off as another blowout victory for the Denver Nuggets and another blowout loss for the Timberwolves. And then the fourth quarter, or the second, excuse me, the second quarter came around, and the Timberwolves were leading by, uh, they won that quarter by 15, and they actually went into halftime, um, up 65 to, uh, 65. Two, and that is really encouraging because the Timberwolves haven't been able to come back from something like that where they had such a bad first quarter usually they would just lie down and just let it happen 
but they didn't do that. In the second quarter, they come out scorching hot. Juancho Hernan Gomez is hitting shots from deep, and it was a really encouraging uh, second and third quarter for the Timberwolves. They won the second quarter by 15, and they tied the third quarter, and they went into the last frame, like I said, up by um, seven points, no, three points, and they ended up getting outscored 30 to 20 in the final frame. This game, the second game, felt a lot better than the first game, especially after the first quarter. The Timberwolves were in it throughout the entire second and third quarter, and it never really felt like it was completely gone in the fourth until the last few minutes. And in this game, I want to touch on two people in particular. One, Jared Vanderbilt, and two, Juancho Hernan Gomez. So Juancho Hernan Gomez has struggled this year. The entire season, he has not looked very good. I'm going to go ahead and pull up his stats quick, and we can talk about what he did throughout the entire season so far and what he did tonight against the Denver Nuggets. So against the Nuggets, he scored 25 points, he had 8 rebounds, and 2 assists. On the season, he's been averaging like 3 points, like 3 rebounds, less than 1 assist, and he's just been really, really, really bad. And tonight, he was really, really good on offense, especially in the first half. He kind of went away there in the second half, but he provided so much in the first half. To, it has me feeling like Wancho isn't gone. The Wancho we saw in the 14 games post-trade deadline in the 2019-2020 season, that Wancho isn't gone forever. He still has that in him, and potentially more. Now, I will push back a little bit. Because I'd be remiss to not talk about how bad Wancho looked on the defensive side of the ball. There were a couple plays where the offensive player just casually just destroyed Wancho. They weren't even trying that hard and Wancho had absolutely nothing for them. But Denver didn't have anything for Wancho in the first half. Um, he shot the ball really well in this game. He was... Uh, 5 for 8 from 3, but I think he was 5 for 6 uh, at one point. And he shot 10 for 14 from the field. He had 8 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 steals, 1 block. Didn't have a single turnover. And he was a plus 3 in the game. So the Timberwolves were better with him on the floor than they were with him off the floor. Uh, the second person I want to talk about, and I really want to rave about this guy, is Jared Vanderbilt. The Timberwolves were lacking defense, especially in the front court. They had Ed Davis... But Davis has been a liability on the offensive side of the ball, and his defense hasn't been as good as we had hoped it would. And Davis wasn't very good last season, so a lot of people kind of thought that might translate, but some people were hoping it would, you know, he would go back to his pre injury play where he was a solid rebounder, a solid defender, and a really good screener. And he just really hasn't been that. He, he did okay in both of these two games against Jokic. But Vanderbilt just took over the game. And you're going to look at Vanderbilt's stat line. He had 11 points, 5 rebounds, and 2 assists. But he also had 3 steals, 2 blocks, and not a single turnover. He only missed 1 shot from the, flo from the floor. He was 4 for 5. Um, from the free throw line, unfortunately, he was 3 for 7. Uh, if he knocked down all 4 of those, this game would have been much closer. But this, it goes so much further than the box score for him tonight. He was providing so much energy that sparked not only him but D'Angelo Russell looked really good sharing the floor um, with Jared Vanderbilt and so many other people did too he looked really impressive and he brought the spark that really gave the Timberwolves 
the the power and the the mindset to get back into that game in the second quarter um and realistically i'm not sure that ryan saunders would have played jared vanderbilt if it wasn't for the foul trouble that nas reed and ed davis got in in the first half they're just we needed more front court minutes and there wasn't any to be had um with nas and davis because they'd either played a bunch of minutes or they were in foul trouble so we had to play vanderbilt and that sparked something so now it gets me thinking what is keeping jared vanderbilt out of the rotation and i just don't know if he has a place in the rotation for ryan saunders saunders has been running a 10-man rotation the entire season if we go ahead and we look at the 10 players that have been in the rotation when the Timberwolves are fully healthy, we have two point guards, which are Ricky Rubio, D'Angelo Russell. We have two shooting guards in Malik Beasley and um, Anthony Edwards. We have two small forwards in Josh Akogi and Jared Culver. Then we have Lehman, Wancho, and then at the center spot, we have Cat and Nas Reed. Does Vanderbilt take Nas Reed's backup center minutes? I don't necessarily think so because... I think the Timberwolves value having another offensive threat and somebody that can spread the floor as the backup center. He's definitely not going to take Cat's minutes, so whose minutes does he take? Do you play him at some backup center alongside, you know, Jake Lehman? Do you play him at the four alongside alongside Cat or alongside Nas Reed? Do you give Nas Reed some four minutes so Vanderbilt can have some backup five minutes? There's just a lot of rotation questions where I don't necessarily think that the plan for any particular game will be to play Vanderbilt as the sole backup center or the sole power forward. But I think Ryan Saunders, after seeing this tonight, because we've seen Vanderbilt at the beginning of the season against garbage uh, time players, against other teams' you know, reserves, we've seen him be really impactful. But not against starting level competition. And tonight he was really impactful against starting level competition. And not only just starting level, like Nikola Jokic, the best center in the league. I think he did a very admirable job on defense. And he did really good going against Jokic at the rim. Which is really impressive to see because Vanderbilt's nowhere near as big as Nikola Jokic. But as I was saying, I I think there's going to be matchups where Saunders recognizes that he can use... Jared Vanderbilt, and it would be advantageous for the Timberwolves to do so. But I don't think that's going to be a nightly thing. Where I do think it'll come into play is, say, if the Timberwolves are playing uh, the Lakers again later in the season, and they need a little bit of size to guard Anthony Davis and Marcus Saul or Anthony Davis and Montrezl Harrell. That's going to be a place where Jared Vanderbilt might find himself getting some minutes at the four next to Carl Anthony Towns. And there might be other instances where the the Timberwolves go up against the Nuggets again later in the season. And if Cat has early foul trouble and needs to go to the bench and they need a little bit of defense on Jokic, rather than deferring to Nas Reed as the primary backup center, you can run Jared Vanderbilt in that position and it will probably help you out on the defensive side of the floor. Um, Nas Reed didn't look good tonight. I don't think he's going to fall out of the rotation. I think he is the Timberwolves' plan at the backup center for the most part. Um, but Vanderbilt's making a case for playing time and for him to get playing time, it has to come at the expense of someone else. Now, before this game, you know, the argument could have been Wancho Hernan Gomez, but after seeing what Wancho did tonight, I don't think you can fully give up on him. 
Wancho could have very easily just been in a slump because he was late to training camp, he wasn't in shape, and if he's fully in shape, you know, if this is a more realized version of Wancho, he's not going to score 25 points a night, but if he scores 15, 12 to 15 points um, regularly, how do you warrant playing Vanderbilt over him all the time when you've been struggling on offense just as much as you've been struggling on defense? So it's going to have to be a love-hate relationship with who you play in what spots. Um, maybe he takes Jake Lehman's minutes. Lehman hasn't looked good for the most part this season. He looked pretty good in the last game. He actually did look pretty solid in Sunday's game against the Nuggets. He had, I think he ended up with, maybe I'm thinking of the game before that. I think he just recently had a game where he had like 12 or 15 points. Um, no, it was the Washington game. He had 12 points. But does scoring 12 points against Washington really warrant you playing that much? I, I don't know. The Timberwolves are in such a weird spot because Jared Vanderbilt is proving he's working his ass off and he's proving that he deserves to be in the rotation. But the question is, I just don't know whose minutes he takes. So I need to, I need to calm down a little bit and really like process this. Because he did look really good tonight. He was a plus nine, which was a, uh, a high for the Timberwolves in this game. Um, so he was a plus nine. The only other positives were Culver at a plus four, Wancho at a plus three, and then D'Lo and Beasley were both plus one. Everybody else was minus. Nas Reed was a minus 13. Uh, but he only, and that was only in 10 minutes. He looked really bad. And he got five personal fouls in 10 minutes, which just is not good and that's definitely not what you want from your he's your backup center by right um and it's just not what you expect or what you want from someone in 10 minutes we expect foul trouble for nasri but 10 minutes is a little bit excessive but on the other side of that jared vanderbilt i think personally he could play next to carl anthony towns if you're not playing a lineup that also includes like Josh Okogie and Jared Culver, two non-shooters. Maybe you can put him with Culver or with Okogie, but not both. I don't think you can run him with both and really justify that. But maybe at times you're going to have to if you really need some defense. Um, and Cat won't be back for a little while. We don't know when it's going to be back. Uh, Saunders did say pregame that Towns will be back at some time. Um, basically, is kind of what he imposed. Like, he's not going to be out for the entire season. He didn't give a timetable at all. I'm trying to find the exact quote that he said. But basically, he was saying, like, Cat is progressing, and they're going to look at him when he gets back. And here's the actual quote from Ryan Saunders. Quote, he progressed steadily. He's doing a little bit more where he can where he can kind of handle a ball on the court. Won't be available tonight. Won't be available next game. When we get back to Minnesota, we'll evaluate more. So basically, Saunders confirmed that he won't be playing against Portland on Thursday. But he didn't rule out that he wouldn't play the Timberwolves next game after that, which will be uh, the San Antonio Spurs at home on Saturday. I highly doubt he's back for that game. Um, but he didn't rule it out, but I'm I'm assuming he won't be back, but I have no inside knowledge on that whatsoever. That's just me kind of reading the tea leaves. But as I was saying, when he when Towns does come back, there's going to be instances where I think Nas Reed plays next to him, where I think Jared Vanderbilt plays next to him, 
where it's going to be a Kogi at the four, it's going to be Wancho at the four, and it's going to be Lehman at the four. There is a ton of different rotations that could work out. But that's enough on Vanderbilt. I want to move back to Wancho Hernan Gomez. I talked about him a little bit, and I forgot that I wanted to talk more about Wancho. And my sense is, does Wancho Hernan Gomez warrant starting in the Timberwolves lineup? Because he has proved that he does look better He has looked better starting than he did off the bench at the beginning of the year. Now, that could be due to the fact that he was just out of shape and now he's finally in shape and he would do good in a bench role as well. But maybe that confidence comes from him being in the starting lineup, which is very possible. Uh, As a starter last year for the Timberwolves, he did look really, really good, which is encouraging, but also at the same point, His defense is so bad at the... Sorry about that. His defense is so bad that some lineups, you just can't afford to have him out there next to Carl Anthony Towns. But he played really good on offense tonight. He did. And it showed that that energized the team when he was knocking down some shots. Personally, I think when the Timberwolves come back and are fully healthy, I don't think Juancho Hernan Gomez should be your starting power forward. Sure, if you want to play him next to Ed Davis, if that's the starting center for now, I can see that because he provides some floor spacing that Jake Lehman doesn't. But when the Timberwolves are fully healthy, I think the lineup should return back to D'Angelo Russell, uh, Malik Beasley, Josh Okogie, Jake Lehman, and Carl Anthony Towns. I think you need a little bit more of Lehman's defense next to Cat. I think Cat has shown through the two games that he cares about defense. Hopefully that happens or that returns when he returns to the court. But he has shown that he cares on defense this year and he's been very poised, he's been very disciplined, and he's done really well. But you still don't want a complete liability next to him like you have with Wancho. You want somebody that's a little bit competent and that would be, you know, Josh Okogie potentially guarding the Blake Griffins of the world or else Jake Lehman running on whoever else is at the power forwards there. It's going to be matchup based, but basically I think Lehman helps more defensively in that starting lineup. That also includes Beasley and D'Angelo Russell. There's no way the Timberwolves are going to survive survive defensively if you run out a lineup of D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, Josh Okogie, Wancho, and Cat. I just don't think that lineup does you any favors on the defensive side of the ball. Offensively, if people are hitting shots, you're going to be lethal, but defensively, it's just not there. So I don't think that Wancho should start when Cat is healthy. And maybe he'll prove that he can get better on defense as the season progresses. Uh, But we didn't really see it last year. We haven't seen it so far this year. So I'm not going to be counting on that. The other thing I wanted to talk about in today's game was Ricky Rubio. And not even just this game. This entire season, Ricky Rubio has not looked good. He has looked pretty bad. He's had sparks where he's looked really good. He's had short stints where he's looked good. Um, but overall, if I was going to grade Ricky Rubio on the season, I'm not sure letter-wise what it would be, but it would not be good. Let's go ahead and just look at his stat line here. Uh, he's been averaging 7.8 points, 4.5 assists, and 2 rebounds this year. Um, shooting 31% from the field, 
or from three, 46% from the field. He's shooting good from the field, actually. He's at a career high there, which has been nice to see. But he has been turning the ball over um, more than I would like. He's been playing 23 minutes a game. He has 1.5 turnovers, but the turnovers are becoming in non-ideal situations. At the end of tonight's game, he had a couple really bad defensive possessions and offensive possessions that kind of led to the Wolves pissing away the game in the fourth quarter. And that's just not what I expect from Ricky Rubio, the veteran on this team, the leader, the floor general. And it's got to the point where I tweeted out that like I'm so surprised that Ricky was still in the game to close it out because he just looked so bad. I think that you would have benefited from playing Anthony Edwards or playing Jarrett Culver over Ricky Rubio. He just didn't look good. Rubio ended the game tonight. Zero points on 0 of 3 shooting. Four rebounds, two assists, one steal, two turnovers, and five personal fouls in 21 minutes of action. It didn't look good. He was a minus 18. Far worse on the team. He was a minus 18. Uh, Nas Reed was a minus 13. That's just not what we need from a veteran presence on this roster. You expect somebody like Ricky Rubio to be a steady player on this team for all of the young guys, all the inexperienced guys. You expect him to take control and lead those guys. And I know it's a tall task because there's a lot of inexperienced players on this roster, but still he really needs to lead better and lead by example better. And he hasn't been doing that this season. And hopefully that turns around he has a track record, track record of being a steady player, and I just pray that this isn't this isn't the point where Ricky Rubio just all of a sudden falls off. But if it is, it's not a good look. Uh, Rubio shared the floor with D'Angelo Russell. I'm not exactly sure how many total minutes. It looks to be about, um, if I do some quick math in my head, probably about six to eight minutes somewhere in there tonight, and. Oh, maybe a little bit more than that. Actually, it was about 10 to 12 minutes tonight, probably. And they were not good. A total of, let's see here, a minus 10, I think. Um, which just is not what you want to see from those guys when they're sharing the floor. So, yeah, it's not good. I'm trying to quick do math on Jack Borman's um, rotation sheet for the night. So, shout out to uh, Jack for doing that because... He's been doing that, I think, pretty much every Timberwolves game this year. And it's been a really useful tool just to kind of track the lineups and everything. So if you guys haven't checked that out, he does tweet it out before every game. And if you go back, um, it's a Google spreadsheet. You can access it and check it out. But anyways, back to what I was saying. Ricky Rubio just hasn't been good this year. And that's really, really bad because D'Angelo Russell also hasn't looked that good up until tonight's game for the most part. And that's... When you're paying your two point guards nearly $50 million and neither of them are producing that well, that's just not a good look. It's really not. And we need both of them, to not just one, we need both of them to step up. And that's going to segue into this topic where D'Lo did step up tonight. D'Angelo Russell looked really good for a majority of the game. Um, he ended the night with 33 points. 11 assists, 3 rebounds, 2 steals, uh, and three only 3 turnovers. So 11 assists to 3 turnovers, that's really good. And he was a plus 1 in the night in 37 minutes. He shot 10 for 21 from the floor, so he was pretty efficient. He was 4 for 9 from 3, that's 44%. And he was 9 for 10 from the free throw line. 
That is huge. DeAndre Russell getting to the free throw line 10 times is a major, major improvement from uh, what we normally see. And it's something we need to see more. Him attacking the basket, he's not the best finisher in the world. But if he can draw the contact and draw the fouls, that's going to open up the game for him a lot more. And it's going to open up the game for the entire offense because it's going to allow people to rotate and to cut. And people aren't going to be able to just press up on D'Lo because they know that he's not going to the rim. They're going to have to respect that D'Lo is going to attack the rim. Um, and he needs to take advantage of that. But he looked really good tonight. Uh, started out kind of sloppy, but pretty much for three and a half quarters of the game, he looked good. And that's what we expect to see out of D'Angelo Russell. That's what we should be able to expect to see out of D'Angelo Russell, especially when Carl Anthony Towns goes down. Um, so if Cat comes back and we still see the D'Lo we saw tonight, for the most part, that's going to be really big for this team. Um, but overall, I thought this was a really competitive game up until the fourth quarter. I thought Ryan Saunders did the right thing by playing Nas or playing uh, Jared Vanderbilt even when Nas Reed could have possibly went in. He decided to go with Vanderbilt and actually put out a tweet basically saying that um, you know a bad coach would have put Nas Reed back in the game, but Saunders didn't do that. Um, Saunders' rotation in the fourth quarter, I didn't like it. I didn't like Rubio being out there, but I understand he's hoping that he's the veteran presence. But I think if you're Saunders, you have to really look at how Rubio played tonight before the fourth quarter and just kind of make the decision that, yeah, Ricky, you're not gonna, you're not gonna be out there tonight to finish the game because you haven't been good. Um, and that's on Ryan. He should have probably recognized that. But at the end of the day, it is what it is. Timberwolves are now 2-5. and five. They've dropped their last five games. Um, they've shown marginal improvements, um, but I think tonight was a big improvement. I thought they played really solid for like 30 minutes on Sunday. I thought they played really good for three quarters. Eh, two and a half to three quarters tonight. The first quarter wasn't very good. Um, I don't know how they got out of that fourth quarter, only down by 12. Figured like it was, felt like it was 25. Uh, but the second quarter was good, third quarter was good. And parts of the fourth were good, um, but just not good enough. And they ended up losing uh, by seven. But now I want to go ahead and look forward to the Timberwolves' uh, next games. So we already know Cat's going to be out for Portland. And Portland is a tough team. Portland sits currently with a record of, I believe they're four and three now. I'd have to check. To be sure. No, they're three and four. Um, Timberwolves are two and five. They just dropped a game to the Spurs tonight, I believe. And they will um, be, the Timberwolves will be playing the Blazers in Portland um, on Thursday night. Like I said a couple times already, Towns will not be playing in that game. Excuse me, sorry. The Blazers just dropped a game to the Bulls, not to the Spurs. Um, but Towns will not be playing in that game. And the Blazers are big. They have, you know, they have Yusuf Nurkic, who is a huge center. Somebody that Carl Anthony Towns probably would struggle against. And Ed Davis and Nas Reed are really going to struggle against Yusuf Nurkic. Hopefully the Timberwolves are able to match up decently defensively. Um, it's going to be tough because they have two dynamic guards in Lillard and McCollum. You have to think that they're going to put Jarrett Culver 
and Malik Beasley on Lillard and McCollum. Probably hide D'Angelo Russell on Robert Covington. Derek Jones Jr. is going to likely be guarded by either Lehman or Wancho or Culver, whoever starts at the four. And then Nurkic is going to have to be guarded by Nas or um, Ed Davis, whoever the, the, the Timberwolves decide to run out there. It's going to be a tough game against the Blazers. I don't have too high of hopes. I just hope to see some more energy like we saw in tonight's Nugget game. I hate to be the guy that always is optimistic. I'm I'm pretty much always optimistic about the Timberwolves. Um, I hate to be that guy, but there will be some moral victories. I think tonight was a moral victory. Seeing DeAndre Russell play well, seeing Jared Vanderbilt play well, seeing some Continued confidence by Anthony Edwards, some continued confidence by Jarrett Culver, seeing Juancho Hernan Gomez break out for the first time. Those are good things to be optimistic about. But they still have to show more effort against the Blazers. But then I want to look at the next four games beyond that Blazers game. Um, And I'll just read them off here quick. On Saturday night, the Timberwolves will be hosting the San Antonio Spurs. Actually, Saturday and Sunday night, they'll be hosting them. So back-to-back games against the Spurs. And then on Wednesday and Friday of next week, the Timberwolves will be hosting the Grizzlies in uh, not back-to-back nights, but back-to-back games. And those four games, if the Timberwolves still do not have Carl Anthony Towns back through those four games, I think those are winnable games. The Timberwolves, if they play how they played tonight against Denver, I think they can take care of business against the Spurs and the Grizzlies, but they have to bring effort in all four of those games. I don't think they'll go on a quick little four-game winning streak, but I think it's possible. And I think if you're Timberwolves fans, you have to hope that they're at least 2-2 two and two through those. And hopefully they're 4-0. and up. Um, Obviously, no home court advantage when you think of the aspect of just fans in the stands and momentum and what that can really um, be. But at the same time, There's still a home court advantage when you think about practice scheduling, uh, traveling. We don't have to travel at all for that week. The players can be able to sleep in their own beds. And that does go somewhere. And thanks thanks to Gabby Durth for pointing that out to me on Twitter. That still is some sort of, um, you know, home court advantage. And especially they said when you factor in the practice scheduling, the traveling, which is really important this season... With all the COVID things going on, you know, less stress about, you know, getting through a team flight, getting to hotels and everything, COVID-free and all of that. I think being at home is a little bit of an advantage, but obviously not the huge advantage to where crowds can swing momentum and things like that. But I think the Wolves still need to go ahead and take care of business there. Let's say the Timberwolves get really lucky. They drop the game to the Blazers on Thursday. But let's say they get lucky and they win against the Spurs both times and the Grizzlies both times they're back to 500 they would excuse me no they would be no they would be yeah they would be 500 they'd be six and six uh they'd be two and six after the Portland game win four straight games and they would be six and six I don't necessarily think that but I think if they can come out of this at four and six and then say Towns is back um like a a few days later than that that's being optimistic probably but we don't know um, the Timberwolves are still being pretty vague, but I did like what Saunders said about him being evaluated when he comes back and that he's doing some on-the-court stuff to whereas he's dribbling. Um, say the Timberwolves get Cap back with like a week left in January before the Timberwolves play 
the Warriors on the 25th. If you can survive, um, you got a Hawks game, a Magic game, another Hawks game, and a Pelicans game. If you can survive, and by if Cad does come back then, and you're like, let's say you are 7 and 11, I think that you aren't out of it. I don't think that you are completely gone from this season. Um, but they have to take care of business against the Spurs and the Grizzlies. Um, and they have to show effort against the Blazers and every team they play. Because if they're not showing effort, they're pretty much doing nothing, which is not good for the team. But yeah, I think that's pretty much all I wanted to talk about. I just wanted to go back over those Denver games, kind of think about them. I think it was interesting. I'm going to bring this back up too. People that we really saw play really well for the Timberwolves in those two games. We saw Malik Beasley played really good against Denver the first game. I believe he dropped 25 points. Um, he had seven rebounds and five assists. He used to play for the Denver Nuggets. He came out guns a-blazing and just beat him up. Tonight, Wancho scored 25 points against his former team. Jared Vanderbilt played really well against his former team. So we got we saw those guys come out with a vengeance. Um, another thing of note is that Jalen Noel was active tonight. He was. They said he was unlikely to play before the game, but he was active um probably will be playing um or at least really available to play against portland i don't know if he'll crack the rotation um but he should be available josh akogi potentially could be available he was questionable coming into today and then they ruled him out a few hours before game time but then uh tonight jordan mclaughlin was not available because of two way two way type of things they're trying to save some games because he can't play the full season but we'll see if that's a trend that continues with Noel healthy or if he'll be active and somebody else won't be active. Maybe Noel won't be active. Um, I guess we'll see. But overall, I do think that Noel might get some run, especially if the game gets away from the Timberwolves on Thursday. Um, and then Okogi, hopefully he is back Thursday. And if not, hopefully he's back Saturday for the game against the Spurs. Um, but anyways, I think that's pretty much all I wanted to cover tonight. So thank you guys so much for listening. I really do appreciate that. If you could, please subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform, whether that be Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Himalaya, whatever you listen to podcasts on, you definitely can subscribe, leave a rating, all that stuff helps me out a ton. If you want to find the show, just ask one of your smart devices to play the Wolf Among Wolves podcast by or with Brendan Hedke and... They should play it for you. So thank you guys for all the support. I really do appreciate that. Let me know if you have any feedback. You can always DM me on Twitter at B underscore HeadKeyNBA. That's B underscore H-E-D-T-K-E-N-B-A on Twitter. You can DM me there. You can at me there. Um, love to have conversations with you guys. If you have any anything, any feedback on the podcast, if you have any questions for me, you can always ask me there, and I'll try to get them answered on the podcast or on Twitter. But again, I just really appreciate all of the support. Um, I want to do more post-game podcasts or post-series podcasts. I just really think that I need to give you more than a podcast every 10 days or more than one a week. I want to try and get you a couple a week. Um, so again, thanks for all the support. If you can, leave a like rating or subscribe to the podcast, download the podcast. It all helps me out a ton. But anyways, it's been Brendan, and I'll see you guys in the next pod. Peace.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.